Welcome to Vita Poetica Journal's podcast. We're an online journal featuring creative work explored through a spiritual lens and a publication of the Vita Poetica Arts and Faith Collective. Today on the podcast, our interviews editor, Emily Chambers-Sharp, talks with visual artist Scott Aceman. You can find some of Scott's artwork published in the interview in our summer 2023 issue online. You can find the link for that in today's episode description. Scott Aceman is an illustrator, artist, community builder, part-time chicken farmer, and zine maker. As a student of both art and theology at Redeemer University, Scott found a way to express the ideas he was reading in textbooks visually through his work in the studio. By colliding and fusing biblical and cultural meta-narratives and layering them with personal and local narrative, he attempts to open up possibilities in ways of seeing tired and overseen stories through surprise, mystery, meaning, and wonder. Scott has been an American illustration AI40 chosen winner, and his work has been seen in galleries, churches, and publications across America. Scott is also a co-founder of Salt Cellar Arts, an arts-focused community for the spiritually attentive and creatively engaged, whose goal is to open the doors for the church to engage more deeply in creativity, imagination, and cultural literacy while championing the role of the divine in art making. Scott lives and works out of Hamilton, Ontario, with his wife, Michelle, and their two children. Here's Emily with Scott Aceman. Welcome, Scott Aceman to Vita Poetica. We are really happy to have this artist and illustrator from Hamilton, Ontario, Canada with us um, to discuss our intersection of faith and the arts. So welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, we're really excited to talk with you. And maybe just to get us going, um, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about your story. Um, It helps us get to know who you are and maybe let us know how faith and the arts fit into that story. As far as like how faith and arts have been in my life, it's always kind of, they've been a kind of a congruent stream for a good portion of, of my life. So kind of separate, but kind of going in the same direction. I grew up in a Christian household, a reformed household. So it is, it's very Protestant and they placed a high degree of importance on like explanation, on doctrine, on theology. And there wasn't a lot of room for mystery. And, and that's good. That's good. That's important. But I, and I got really good at knowing what was right, um, what was correct, how to properly respond to certain theological questions about, you know, God and Jesus and, and all that kind of stuff. And that was that's important, I think, for people to know. But like I said, there wasn't a lot of room for mystery. So my mind was really engaged, but I always had a hard time with the heart aspect and kind of being able to to feel feel it was right. But going on in my life at the same time, I mean, I was into drawing. I started at a pretty young age, um, like most kids do. And I started because it was fun and it was ways to create worlds and express myself. And it just felt like there was just limitless possibilities. And it so happened that when I was five years old, I was diagnosed with something called leg Perthes disease. And that was a degenerative bone disease of the balls of the hips. So essentially they became um, deformed 
and would not fit properly into the socket. So that involved, you know, some hospital stays. I was in traction for a couple of weeks, then put me in a cat, like cast from my thighs to my ankles with literally a hockey stick in between my knees. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and then eventually um, they had braces that would let me bend at the knees, but there was a metal plate between, between the knees that kept my feet about three feet apart. And I had to wear that for a number of years. And during that time, you know, being five, six years old, um, it made things like going outside at recess during the, you know, winter um, made it pretty difficult to put on snow pants. <laughs> so, um, so I had to stay inside and, um, and it made difficult, like I couldn't climb trees, I couldn't ride my bike, you know, playing soccer was pretty difficult. Um, I had to play goalie and, you know, there's a pretty easy spot to score on. So, um, so, but one thing that I could do at that point, and one thing that I, a way I could express myself and feel like a bit proud of who I am was through drawing. I remember, you know, that, that time staying inside at recess and feeling a little bit bummed out that, you know, my friends were outside, but I also remember, like, I can still distinctly remember a number of the drawings that I did at that time and just the explorations of stuff that I was doing. Um, I give credit to my parents too, who really encouraged me and gave me the, the right, the tools and stuff. My mom framed a picture I drew, which just made me so proud. Um, so there was a, there, there's that kind of going on. And like, frankly, I just never stopped drawing fr from that time. But again, they were kind of like my, my faith life or my Christian life and my art life were just kind of two, two streams kind of going, following me along as I go, went along in life. And, you know, as I grew more serious in my faith, um, I, I went to school, I went to university, Redeemer University, actually also here in, uh, in Hamilton, Ontario. Mm -hmm. And I went there with the, with the idea to study theology and probably maybe become a pastor. Um, that was a con consideration at that point in my life. And I'm glad I didn't follow it through, <laughs> but at the same time, art was following me. And I started off as just an art, art minor which soon became an art major as well as a theology major. So I did a double major mm. um, in both of those. And it was at that point that the thing that wires started getting crossed. And I kind of started realizing like things I was thinking about, you know, in the classroom and kind of engaging with was kind of starting to come forward out in my work in the studio. Like I've always been like a doodler um, mm. in my notes. And I found, you know, being able to draw while I was taking notes was helped me retain information in better ways then I could, you know, when I was uh, writing it by hand or typing on a computer. So mm -hmm. I, you know, that like, they started kind of coming together and merging. And I think that was really like the start of my illustration, um, kind of part of my, my, my journey, where I'm communicating the knowledge and communicating what people are saying, and synthesizing it and presenting it in, in ways to be to be understood. And but again, I think that at that point, there was still a heavy, heavy emphasis on getting it correct and you know the, the right belief you know theology is is wonderful but the, especially the tradition I was in at the time had a heavy emphasis on correct thought and it hasn't been until you know the past five years or so where I mean through various things in my life um, some heartbreak in the church just like my life experiences and you know things like my introduction to the mystics mm -hmm. it's where I'm I've been 
learning that there's much more mystery to faith and being able to embrace the mystery. And when I think about faith, I always think about this quote by Wendell Berry in, in his book, Jaber Crow, which is faith puts you um, out on a wide river in a boat in the fog in the dark. And I find that art also, you know, allows me to kind of be put into that space, that space of faith, um, mm -hmm. where I don't quite know what's going on. I don't quite have the right answers. Yeah. And it allows me to um, to em to embrace that in a certain sense, knowing that, you know, I can safely go into these spots and engage engage in the mystery, knowing and trusting, having that faith that Jesus is there with me. <laughs> so so, yeah, faith and art have an interesting tension um, where they can inform each other. But there's also an element of kind of keeping each other in check. You know, art gives a language to my faith, but calls me out into, you know, Wendell's boat there yeah yeah wow that's quite a story and quite a journey i'm maybe bringing even this a little more into the concrete i'm curious um after you finished your degree what did daily life look like for you and how has that changed over the years what are you yeah, what are you well, doing sort of in these days and hours that you have yeah well i mean after i got my degree I was in love with a girl. Mm -hmm. I still am in love with her. And I got married and I felt, you know, well, we got to start <laughs> paying off some school debts <laughs> and I got a job as a carpenter. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, I worked a couple other jobs in there, but by and large, I worked as a carpenter until um, for the um, seven or eight years. Mm -hmm. um, and eventually um, I got to a point where it's, I realized that, I mean, while I love, you know, my coworkers, and it was a, a a decent job, I my passion is art, and my that's where my calling, quote unquote, you know, is. And like throughout, so throughout all of that time, I was finding various ways to you know make art, to work with others. Um, I was a member of a gallery for a number of years until it shut down. Yeah. Um, I helped start a couple of art ministries and the church at the church I was a part of, um, and you know I was constantly drawing um i've never stopped drawing like i said before so whether it was you know um you know in, in the evenings or um or early mornings i was always making art until you know several years ago when i made the, the change into becoming um a, a full-time full-time artist and that was partly due to circumstance um my mm -hmm. I, I had some uh and hip injuries uh, again, again, my, the hips kind of come come in and out of my story, and I was kind of. This has happened early 2020, mm. right before COVID. I started having some some pretty serious hip is issues, and um, and just because of COVID, daily sur surgeries were shut down. It's hard to see specialists, so I was unable to to get the help that I needed, and and. It wasn't like it was I was unable to walk, but just going about my daily job as a carpenter was very difficult. Mm -hmm. So um, so I limped in, literally limped into becoming an artist. Wow. <laughs> um, wow. Luckily, since then, in the past year, I've had both both hips were fixed up. So I'm, wow. I'm back back to, to normal. But that was that's been a long, long process. So now I'm an artist. I'm an illustrator. I spend my days at my drawing desk. And this starts out every day with bringing my kids to school. <laughs> and that's wonderful. I, I really treasure that time. You know, my dad was a, an incredibly hard worker, but for the most, for the first 
12 years of my life, he worked in Toronto, which was an, over an hour away. So he'd be leaving before I got up and come home, you know, around dinner time. Mm -hmm. um, and we got to spend a lot of time together on weekends and in the evenings, but, you know, those, never got to so spend time with him in the mornings. And there's something special about that I find with my kids. So I walk into school every morning. Nice. Um, and then my day, I find my day really starts on the walk home from school as far as my creative life goes. I try to keep my phone at home or at least firmly planted in my pocket and just enjoy the the five minutes the of silence and just starting to slow down, be present to the day taken, mm -hmm. you know, right now it's spring, it's April, and I'm noticing all the tulips and the daffodils and the, the cherry, uh, the cherry blossoms starting to, to bloom. And it's just, um, and that's wonderful. But, you know, you have the d decay in the, in the fall, which is always fun to watch as well. Yeah. So just trying to be a, be attuned to the day, what I'm feeling, how I, how I'm mentally or and spiritually. Mm -hmm. And then it transitions me to a spot where I'm kind of open to what's next. And I like to start my day every day with a draw, like just drawing something. So it's often in a sketchbook. Sometimes it's some kind of fun digital project that I'm, that I just want to do, but just something for the sake of doing it, something that I'm interested in something that kind of brings me to the spot where I am. Sometimes it's just, I draw my mug <laughs> or it's um, an image that's kind of like, I, that's just kind of burning in my head or, or something that just kind of comes up. And it's in that at, like that showing up to a blank page and just kind of filling it with something or just putting something down is an important act I find for, for me personally. It's, I think it is an act of faith showing up to a blank page. It really reminds me of Genesis 1, where, you know, the spirit's hovering above the waters, the earth was formless. And, and in doing and, and showing up to a blank page, I'm kind of tapping into that spirit. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. Or try yeah. to think, at least that's why I try to like force myself to think about is tapping into the spirit and, and seeing what comes out. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a good thing. It can be, I mean, a terrible drawing, but the fact is there's something new in this world now that wasn't there 10 or 15 minutes ago. And I find that's just like a really good act. If, if, if anything else, it's an act of prayer of kind of tying into where, where I locate myself as, you know, mentally right. or spiritually, and it's making that scene. Um, yeah. Even if it's nobody is going to see it, because most of my drawings are in sketchbooks that nobody are going to see, um, and it's probably good that a good thing. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it's it's practice of attention and, and presence, and I feel that's you know very much a way of prayer. Like I said, mm -hmm. um, it's not you know your traditional you know Lord Jesus kind of prayer, but it's more of just like here I am, be here with me, right. um, an invitation. Um, my, my kids are getting a little older now too. And so, you know, this weekend I found our, myself, I have two kids. It was me and my wife and my two kids. And we were just sitting in the living room, all reading together in silence. And there's something just so beautiful about that kind of shared time of just being, doing our own thing, but like acknowledging that we're all here in this room together. Um, and I find that's like, when I'm drawing, that's kind of what's happening. I mean, on good days. <laughs> Yeah. there's other times where it is it's it's a slog but mm -hmm. trying to even just like find those few moments here and there where you're able to kind of like tap into something a little deeper um can really feed you when you actually have to do you know the, the more of the grinding work yeah um yeah so 
so kind of after like those morning exercises, I kind of hop into my like my daily work, mm -hmm. which you know involves drawing roughs for for projects. It involves answering emails and making doing invoices. And but also interspersed with that, like I'm responsible for dishes and laundry. So it's all all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But like I find like being able to tap into those moments of inspiration, if you want to call it that, or you know, spirit synchronicity or or whatever you want to call it. Um that those little things are things that kind of are burst burst forth and I can kind of build off of um and kind of approach the more grindy things, right? Like the vanity gritties, the the, you know, just trying to meet deadlines and and all that kind of stuff. So and if I'm stuck then uh, or kind of get burnt out, there's times where, yeah, you have to step back and you take a break or, you know, maybe just draw something that you're interested in again. And who knows what's going to happen when it's going and when, you know, that that inspiration or the spirit will kind of push you a little further, I think. Yeah. What are some of the maybe themes or um, things that you're interested in that you find yourself returning to? Yeah, like like stories have always been super fascinating to me, mm -hmm. um, and like just drawing stories. I can recall very clearly the 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 stories from my um, kid children's Bible growing up. Mm -hmm. um, those are what's always sp spoke to me: how these stories or how images can tell stories. So. I'm constantly finding myself falling back to whether they're Bible stories, mm -hmm. um, stories of saints or Greek myths or, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. If, if I'm stuck for something, I'll just find a story and draw something from a story. Recently, I've done something. Well, I wanted to explore the color green because I don't really like the color green um, <laughs> and I never know how to use it properly. So I just challenged myself to draw the green knight from. Um, from so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So to so. Um, that was just a fun exercise because a it got me interested in in the drawing and b like it helped me grow using green yeah <laughs> so, yeah that's um, really cool i saw a few things that you drew um including that one when i was checking out some of the work that you put on instagram and i noticed the sir gawain story and a couple of other things that i would say to me had a kind of medieval sort of tie yeah. do you have um an influence from there are there other influences that you would want to share with us yeah medieval art has always been super fascinating to me i mean as an illustrator i mean looking at things like the books of hours or illuminated manuscripts mm -hmm. that those kind of that kind of work is super fascinating because it's it's working with working with um with the text for mm -hmm. one and kind of you know, illuminating and illustrating that, but also kind of adding on commentary and uh, like a mystical element, especially in you, you look at things like um, the marginalia, where you just get these wild, interesting images going on in, in there that, you know, don't necessarily speak, I mean, that they speak to the text, but they're also, there's a cultural language going on in there and mm. things that I like, and I kind of love that I don't really understand it, but like it kind of brings me into that space. So, I mean, I've always been super interested in knights and dragons and like those stories. So yeah, there's definitely an interest there and a hobby passion there where I constantly find myself looking at the medieval work and all of that, that stuff is just incredibly fascinating. Yeah, yeah. What kinds of things have you been working on recently, whether for yourself or for pay? Yeah, right. The past couple of months have been super interesting for me professionally. Now that we're kind of emerging from this incubation and trauma of you know the past 
three years of lockdowns and, and COVID. I'm kind of noticing people are kind of slowly getting back up and dusting themselves off and kind of like processing what exactly went on <laughs> and ways forward from that from from that. So just amongst my peers here in Hamilton and my my like greater circle of friends, there's been like so, some really interesting pro, uh, projects going on. And I've just had been super fortunate to kind of get roped into. So mm -hmm. I have a friend who's recently started, who've developed and like created this card game of spiritual awakening, oh, wow. <laughs> um, which is just a, like a, just a wild concept in and of itself. And it, I mean, it's weird, but it's wonderful. I played mm -hmm. it I, and he asked me to do a few illustrations for that. So I've, I've done that. Another friend of mine, he's recently started a concert series where it's in this old Anglican church that's starting mm -hmm. to get this new life and concert series is called Secret Sounds. So you show up you don't know who's playing um you come in silence and you sit in these pews and it's candlelit it's just like this really kind of like quiet reverent atmosphere and then an artist comes and plays some music and it could be you know someone you know it could be someone you don't know but the artist has complete free reign of what they want to play so you're, you're not going to get the hits they're going to get the things that they really want it creates this incredible sense of vulnerability mm -hmm. and so i've been doing a number like illustrations for that it's fun because we kind of make it kind of mysterious, but kind of hint at what's happening or who who it is. So it kind of creates an interesting dialogue between the people who who are seeing the posters and the and the handouts about oh who is it this person is it this? Yeah. so um so that's been really fun and and then I'm working with another friend um he's a poet and he's writing a book of poetry or it's a poetic I would say it's a poetic memoir working with name and identity and like kind of overlapping narratives oh, wow. um wow. and it's it's getting published later on this year and i'm doing some work with him for that so it's it's been really cool because and maybe because you know we're all getting a little bit older and we don't have to pay you know we're getting a little more settled in life so we don't have to we have a little more extra income to kind of per, to start these right. interesting projects a lot of my friends are starting bands again <laughs> and, and all that kind of stuff so it's really cool to kind of being roped into like this creative field feeling or field that i mean was so present back when we were you know in 20s and stuff when we you know had that energy and maybe now we're kind of getting a second burst at that so yeah. um so professionally it's been great to do those kind of things personally i have you know an ongoing project called lullabies legends and lies which is wow um it's it's i mean it's a great name i stole it from bobby bear and shell silverstein um, <laughs> yeah but it's it's a it's an ongoing like a body of work about story um, mm -hmm. and kind of like a car crash of narratives. And another project I'm really excited about is it's a secret project. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm allowed to say that it's a product that's devoted to rabbit trails, intuition and collaboration. I'm working with a friend of mine he's a poet and we make something and yeah. we give it out to people, but it has to be in person or like by handwriting. So I can't oh, talk wow. about it yeah over this way but if my friends or if somebody wants to hear about it give me a call <laughs> and we can mm -hmm. talk about it so those are some of like the more exciting things i'm i'm also like heavily invested in a community that we've recently started with through our church called salt cellar arts which is mm -hmm. a, more of a community building thing for artists wow. so i mean there's a lot of stuff i'm very passionate about right now it's very exciting um there's always something to do which is nice um yeah. it's not always 
you know, financially the best, but it's <laughs> always exciting and and it's it feels just really important to kind of be a part of these kind of things right now. So yeah. I'm really interested just hearing you talk about your creative work. Um, but a lot of the work you're doing actually is community related. It seems like you're mm. working with others or you're collaborating. And I was wondering if you could talk about that. I think that um, a lot of creative folks, right, mm. are um, trying to have that rich internal creative life, right? Um, and then we also know there's a community piece. And sometimes I think it can be a challenge, right, for mm. us to turn one way or the other. And I wonder what, it, what it's like for you to have the community creative aspect as well as an individual creative aspect. As I started working more as an illustrator, it's, it can't be just for you. Your work can't just be for 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 you. And, you know, you're often working with a designer or art director who's, you know, has the final say in things. And um, and at first I, I kind of kicked against that. I didn't really like that. It's like, well, you know, how dare you silence my vision or, <laughs> you know, kind of thinking I know better. But like when you're working in an, illust in an often an illustration um, kind of job, it is a collaboration and it's I've noticed over time how you know wonderful it is to have somebody else's voice um kind of calling you calling you out sometimes or like kind of directing you kind of saying well this is kind of what we need so you know from from that kind of standpoint it's been it's been really helpful for me and I've really learned you know I've learned more from that than anything else but like to work as an artist you need you know these circles around you of support Hmm. Um, I'm fortunate enough to to have a number of friends that I'm texting on a daily basis, if not every other day, about just ideas that we have um, or um, getting feedback on on work, being able to kind of share what we're kind of like struggling with as far as like ideas, and it's just wonderful to kind of able to kind of a bounce those kind of ideas off of people. You know, you kind of like your inner inner circle of voices that you can kind of trust and then kind of like work outward from there. There is something really enriching and beautiful about coming together with others and sharing something that you've done. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know that I always know when's the time to share and when's not, but it's good to, you know, think that there's something good about bringing our work before others too. Yeah. I mean, and the, like the fact that we like that we take pen to paper and make something that can be seen i mean that, that opens up uh, like amazing opportunities mm. um not that they ha it has to be seen but maybe like sometimes it's a balance because we have an abundance of oversharing in in culture right now too you know you kind of think of you know instagram and 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 all that kind of stuff but there's something special about even when you have like a couple close friends, you're saying, hey, look at this. I made this. <laughs> and and not that it has to be seen by the world, but like if it's seen by just a couple people, I think that's pretty special. My son and I actually have started something recently where we're drawing stuff together. So uh, right now we're working on a night. I, I'm drawing a night and he, my, my son wants these trees and we're doing uh, some spiders from the trees. And then he's drawing a big dragon. Wow. And our our local library has a sticker machine. So we're thinking about what if we just like take it, make it into some stickers and he can give it to some of his friends at school. Yes. Um, and there's something just so special about saying, I made this, you can have it. And it's an expression of something that you that, that wasn't there before and now it's here. And mm -hmm. I, don't, it's, it's, I just find it a beautiful opportunity. 
Yeah. So, I mean, they're gifts. It's really beautiful. It's a neat thing mm. to share. I'm interested in like what materials you like to work with and why and have mm. things change over time. What, what are you, what are your tools that you like? In a perfect world, I would have a nice pen and some nice paper and I would just draw pen and ink all day. <laughs> um, wow. I have, I mean, a conglomeration of pens here. It's a, my desk's a mess, but there's just something, uh, there's an in inexplicable joy that comes over me when I just am able to put a pen to paper um, and, and make lines, um, especially on, unfortunately that has led me to be a, a bit of a pen snob. So, I mean, I'm very particular about the pens I, I use, but I just remember even as a kid, when my mom let me use a Sharpie for the first time and just like the bold black line across, a, you know, a blank page was just exhilarating um <laughs> if, if i had a had a choice it'd always just be pen and ink pen and ink work but you know there's also tools that are given to us through digital media and you know there's something very nice about an undo button from time to time mm -hmm. or being able to like easily change colors and just being able to like have a digital format to give to you know people to to print off so um so I mean, it's it's a it's a helpful tool. It can't be can't be my only tool. Digital digital media, mm -hmm. especially like iPads and Photoshop and all that kind of stuff. But you know, a good part of my day, probably most of my day, is spent on, on that kind of stuff. Um, wow. Digital digital media. But yeah. if I had a choice, pen and ink <laughs> all the way. The beautiful thing is, I mean, the iPad is not physical draw like physical pen and ink, but you're still using the hand. It's still all done mm -hmm. with you know a fancy Apple pencil. Mm -hmm. um so i mean you can still keep the hand present in those kind of drawings um which is which is nice as you're creating new things um mm. does who is going to perceive it like an audience do they play any role in your creative process or how how do you how does audience play in for you yeah there's two ways that it, that it works there's like, like my professional illustrative way which mm -hmm. um which is one way and then there's also like my personal art which is another way so professional like professionally it's it's very different than personally as an illustrator i'm kind of conveying what is somebody else's thoughts or in in ways that complement and emphasize what they're saying mm -hmm. so a i have to be a steward of what somebody else is saying i can't just be go do whatever heck, the heck i want because right. that wouldn't work <laughs> So, I mean, I have to a think about who else, who's saying something and kind of be a, a medium in a certain way between two parties mm -hmm. um, or to, and use utilizing my own personal visual language to kind of walk alongside what what's being said. So there has to be an element element of legibility and clarity there. And that differs from a project to project from, you know, cover if I'm doing a cover up for a hardcore band, it's a lot different than, you know, uh, spread on in Christianity today. Right. Like so. Right. Um, so like, and that's where like, I'm really grateful for collaborations with art directors and designers who give a pretty good, you know, brief as to, you know, the direction they want things to take, to go. Mm -hmm. They always have a pretty good idea of what you are as an artist. So this, they kind of give you some direction as to like what they've seen in your work before that they want you to kind of like work with. So they're, they're, they're like, they're really good at, at also kind of helping shape what you can say and what the audience wants, to, needs to hear as far as this kind of stuff goes. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So that, that's more of the professional side. So I am, I'm thinking quite a bit about the audience at that point. But personally, in my work, I really hope to kind of mystify things and kind of, again, kind of push people out into that boat in the river, in the 
fog, you know, like what Wendell Berry talks about. Yeah. Um, my personal work, it's it's very busy. There's a lot of stuff going on. Um, you know, I talked about this car, like in my Lullabies, Legends and Lies kind of series, it's a car crash and narratives and things are flying around and um, swirling around these, these, these figures. Um, and I hope to kind of treat it more like a kind of like a breadcrumb trail of, of story. Um, yeah. And, you know, have a kind of a few breadcrumbs where you're kind of understanding a little bit of what the context is, but also kind of get lost in the details and maybe even feel a little bit like overwhelmed by what's going on and finding ways to kind of like read it that way. Another big quote that, that I kind of have right above my desk here is this quote by Leonard Cohen, you know, as our eyes grow accustomed to um, sight, they often armor themselves against wonder. Mm, um, wow. So in my personal work, especially, I really hope to take from things that are familiar, like stories, um, whether it's, you know, Bible stories, often it's got a base in Bible stories and to kind of confuse people into ways of re-seeing it, mm. <laughs> if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, so to challenge the viewer and to kind of get them to, to be disarmed a little bit as to knowing what it's about so they can kind of re-engage with it with fresh mm -hmm. eyes and new sight. Yeah, wow. I love that, right? Yeah. The way I approach it is like, I have the, these little details and little odd things that are happening, but they all kind of tying into this main, somehow tying into the main focus. And they're kind of tying into this, this main idea that what's an image, like an image is made up of a lot of little elements <laughs> that kind of are all working together. I often like kind of say, like if I'm exploring a theme, I call, I, I'm kind of, that theme might be the mountain, but like, I like to kind of play in all the foothills around it that kind of define, yeah. that kind of define what that mountain is. So you're seeing it from different angles and you're having different ways of kind of engaging with it. So yeah, and I, I like love that approach. You brought that word play in. Um, and I think mm. even when you talked about using green, which wasn't a favorite color, but you're like, you're kind of going to play. Um, how how does play come into what you do and what role does it have yeah i mean play is super important and but play is not all but play is also serious in a, in a way play is kind of like for me it's kind of like exploration it's kind mm -hmm. of working with the main theme or object and engaging with it in different ways and testing it um through i mean when i think of play you think of you know, like lions, lion cubs, right? They're play, they're jumping, they're pouncing on on each other, um, but they're also learning skills um, to hunt in the future, asserting dominance and, and all that kind of stuff, like how to, how to interact with them, each other socially, um, how to survive. So at the source of, of everything I'd say is play, is, is just the, this idea of exploration, of wor working with various ideas and subjects and hopefully new and creative, creative ways, ways that are maybe unconventional and kind of like may not make a whole lot of rational sense mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or practical sense, but can also illustrate something that, or speak to something greater about, about it. It's interesting. I, I, a few years ago, heard someone present these ideas about communication between God and people mm -hmm. and like God's first communication is in creation and our mm. first communication to God is in our work and our play. And mm. so just hearing you describe that, it brought it back to mind, you know, this yeah. sense that 
the play that you're doing and the work that you're doing is all of part of this, like, how am I kind of sorting things out? What am I, what am I trying to say? Yeah. <laughs> Express, you know? Yeah, they're, they're, like work and play are, are intimately tied. Like there's the, the play part, I think, is when you're kind of exploring ideas mm -hmm. and kind of just like, all right, let's see, let's you know, work with these forms, with this, uh, this picture. And then there's like the, the actual work part where it's like, okay, now I have to button down and make sure my lines are really like legible and, um, and you know, what colors should go where and, you know, there's like this, there's like the sweat, sweat equity, I guess that you put into, mm -hmm. into a drawing or into, into your work. So it's not, it's, it's, they're intimately tied and they're, they're kind of, there's a back and forth interplay between them yeah. when, when I'm working, but, uh, but yeah, there's definitely like separate parts of it as well. I'm curious if you, um, were speaking to someone who is like a little bit like you were maybe as a younger person who enjoys drawing and finds himself doodling quite often. What's something you would say um, to encourage them in sort of the life of art and faith? Uh, what, what would be something that you kind of wish maybe someone had said to you? First and foremost, I would say you're not wasting your time. What you're doing is important and it's valid and it's beautiful what you're doing. Explore, like it's worth spending your time doing this. And it's worth making sacrifices to do it. Even if you don't ever make anything that, you know, is going to be in a gallery or whatever, just like being able to spend, like learn to spend, pre be present with, with these kind of things is important for you as a person. Secondly, I would say, I would say it's okay to be wrong and it's okay to make bad things, actually make lots of bad things. Um, explore that, you know, the unknown and be wrong about things. You, you know, th there's nothing wrong with being wrong, <laughs> as long as you can acknowledge it. Um, but yeah, use this as a spot as a spot to explore and and do it. Make sure you have a sketchbook with you at all times. <laughs> I like if I'm if I'm leaving the house, I have a sketchbook on me. Um, I have many many sketchbooks, so keep one in your back pocket. Like find someone you can trust to talk about some of your work as well. And it doesn't have to be everything, but like have something to share with somebody. Mm -hmm. um, whether it's like a close friend or a mentor or, um, yeah, or someone you look up to, they can, you know, give you advice, but they'll like more often than not, they'll see things in your drawing that you don't see. My favorite thing is to hear what other people have to say about my work, because th they're always telling me things that I've never thought about. Yeah. And it's helps me understand a myself, like myself and my work way better. And it's constantly just super surprising. So um, so yeah, so I guess those are like the two main thing, uh, three main things, and then keep keep going. Yeah. yeah. Wow, those are um, great words, and I think any creative person will appreciate hearing that. And thank you so much for sharing with us today. Well, thanks for having me. This was great. That was interviews editor Emily Chambers Sharp talking with visual artist Scott Aceman. You can learn more about Vita Poetica at the website in our podcast description, www.vitapoetica.org, where you can find details on how to submit to the journal and other ways to get involved. Thanks for listening, and more soon.